Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by another McNamara, Sharon of Boston Connect Real Estate. Good morning. Thanks for being with Good me today morning. via Zoom. Um, yes. Yeah, we're talking this morning about the evolution of home ownership or the evolution of real estate. I thought that was kind of a fancy, fun title. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, just how things have changed over time, not necessarily for the worse, just just things are just different. And it's kind of fun to talk about it and think about it. Um, okay. And hey, just to let yeah. you know, Tim, I'm sorry that I didn't see that you wanted me to mute um, my my thing there. That's you okay. You're forgiven. He, <laughs> no no okay. problem. He's but I think Alyssa has the access to mute me too. Sorry about that. No, I no, made you the fine. host. Remember, I made you the host, so I oh, couldn't yeah. even mute you. Oh. No, he just said when the news is playing, if we're not muted, like last, actually oh. last time we did this, when the news was playing, I was chatting with my co-host and we were live on air. <laughs> Oh, so that okay. was a little right. snafu the first time we did it, but we worked out the kinks. Um, okay. So, yeah, so we were just talking about, um, you, you know, the, the the probably age-old discussion of, you know, when is the optimum time to, to buy a piece, mm -hmm. your first piece of real estate and, you know, certainly... Um, the lifestyle component of it, the personal what personal choice is, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I think the most important component of making that decision. But, uh, you know, I'm here to do some the financial analysis and, and talk people through the uh, financial components of that too. So that's, that's kind of fun. And we just talked about, you know, yeah. ability to outsave real estate appreciation or not. And that's, and that's a huge factor. Okay. Well, while we were, um, 
on our break, I was looking up some statistics and looking at just some different things that I blog posts I read and everything. Mm -hmm. So I found the non-financial benefits of home ownership. 93% of people said that owning a home made them happier. So everybody wants to be happy. And 88% agreed that buying a home is the best decision they have ever made. And 79% believed owning a home has changed them for the better. So those are all the non-financial reasons. I don't know. That came from Concentric's analysis. So Um, there you go. I mean, you know, it's a place to call your own. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. I can think of a client recently who said that to me that she just, you know, she's divorced and kind of bounced around trying to figure out what her next step is and, you know, was renting in that period of time. And she just got to a point where she was like, you know, I just want a place to call my own. And, mm-hmm. you know, even if you have a mortgage and it's technically the banks for a while, uh, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's still, you make it what you want it to make, what you want to make it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's home. We've already established that I'm a homebody, so I can yep. completely relate to that. And, um, you know, and it's, and it's control. So, mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to, well, a couple of things we could talk about. I, I, you know, maybe just question for you sort of on this topic before we segue to our, our next topic. You know, under the, we just talked about how the median age of a first time home buyer is a little bit older than it was, you know, in, in decades uh-huh. past. And so I guess that begs the question are if people are now more commonly buying their homes in their 30s, you know, maybe mm-hmm. either already have a kid or, you know, hoping to have kids, are they going right into the family home? Are they sort of skipping that starter, small starter home condo phase? Um, or is it still the norm to, you know, start with something small, maybe a condo, small home, not necessarily my my long-term family home, but something to build equity and, um, and, uh-huh. and then making the move? Like, what are you, what have you been seeing recently? Yeah. So one of the things I sort of wanted to go back to what I was about to say before we went into the break, and it, it's sort of on the same line of what you're talking about right now. And I would say that a lot of people that I'm seeing, everybody has that dream of having investment for property, right? For, you know, real estate, they think of it as a great investment. And I do agree with that. So some of the advice I'm giving to my clients, my younger clients who have done a very good job of saving, even, you know, living at home and things like that is if the dream that they have is truly to have an investment property at some point is to maybe start with that smaller home or a condo. And I would say make it in a very, you know, um, like a place where people are going to want to live. So, you know, like closer to the city, even though that's changing, by the way, we can talk a little bit about that because of COVID. Make it resellable if you're going to be selling it in the near future. Yeah. Exactly. And if you're going to rent it at some point that you're in a place where it makes sense that somebody would want to rent it. Right. So maybe it's, you know, if you're in Weymouth, are you near the, you know, the T and things like that? Yeah. Because if you go into purchasing your first property as a condo, let's say, and you run into one of those situations where maybe you can be in that, you'll probably be in that situation where it's 3% down. Money is cheap right now with loans. Yep. So now you're putting 3% down. It's pretty reasonable for you to you know, do a 30-year mortgage yep. on that. And to have a low, it would be lower than a rent yep. is basically what it would turn out to be. Then let's just fast forward maybe five years. You meet somebody, you decide to get married, and you want to buy that single family home, like your first time home. Well, now you're pro- you may be in a position where you can keep that condo and rent it out 
and buy your primary residence and start over again and still do a loan maybe with 5% down. Mm -hmm. And that now you have your single family. But people who do dream about having investment properties, if you do it the other way where, okay, I'm gonna buy a single family home, you, you do the 3% and 5% down or whatever. And then you're like, oh, I'm gonna stay here for long term. And then you go to buy that investment property. Well, now you have to put 20 to 25% down. Mm -hmm. So you have to have more savings in order to do it. So I love seeing those clients that are able to do that. And it makes sense because they dream of having the investment property. I mean, being a landlord in Massachusetts is a whole other show, by the way. Yeah. And but I, that's a yeah, I do want to have that show. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a good way to at least get your foot in the door without having to come up with a lot of liquidity and cash to, you know, because to put down the 20 to 25% on another property is going to be difficult. So we're also seeing people doing like their first home is maybe a multi. So maybe it's a two family or a three family. They're living on one floor yeah. and then fast forward five years, right? So now that's their primary residence. So they can get that even a conventional loan, let's just say with 5% down. They can then fast forward. They want to buy that single family house. They already have their investment with an investment property without having to put 20 to 25% down. Yeah. And so. I actually have a lot of uh, clients that I chat with about they did, they did that. Uh, where they purchased, you know, a condo or whatever in the city in a super fun place mm -hmm. in their 20s and whatever. And then they moved to the suburbs into their family home, but they kept their uh, property in the city. And uh, I think a lot of them envision going back there one day. And, yeah. you know, maybe mm -hmm. their retirement is, you know, back in the city where they're fr they have freedom again mm. and, and um, mm. not the work associated and the responsibility associated with being a, a parent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they have freedom again and they envision that that city lifestyle for themselves later on. I, ha I have a lot of clients that uh, envision mm. that and they hold those properties um, because, well, in recent past uh, properties in the city in the Boston area have been a good investment from an mm -hmm. appreciation perspective. Um, so there's that component of it, but also that they don't want to give up that place because they want to go back and, and they yeah. envision that. Life and I don't blame again. them. That's what I want. Well, Casey had that great idea. Casey thought, mom, why don't you and dad buy a condo with me in the city and I can live there for five years <laughs> and then, you and can then yeah. Then when you retire, you can have the condo and I'll have the house. The pool and <laughs> I love it. And yeah. let me think, Casey ends up with no mortgage in that scenario, right? She moves to Pembroke with no mortgage. Um, that's a, that's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant plan. That, 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 that's the whole, you know, families are a unit now, a financial unit, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. I used to envision, well, what if Kirk and I went back to the city one day? We did have some fun years in the city, but now that I've been, uh, in the suburbs for so long. I just want more space. I want more land. I want, I don't want anybody around me. I want like <laughs> five to 10 acres with a fence for all my dogs to run around. And I want like to see just that's woods funny. and land. I know it's so funny. Mm -hmm. An experience. Yeah, and that's the, the thing, like here. life does change. You know, yeah. I always did envision myself wanting to go back to the city and it's, you know, now I think, you know, life has changed for me where I'm looking at that next chapter of Casey being in your situation, you know, and you know, it takes a village, right? So, yeah. you know, like your mom is helping you with the kids and things like that. And I don't know, like now my dreams have changed to being like, oh, I want to be in the city too. I would love to have a home 
down the Cape and I'm just envisioning like, you know, them getting married and having kids and wanting to go to Grammy and Grampy's for, you know, for the weekend, you yeah. know? So Aww, yeah, that's, fine. that's, that's my new dream. You're talking so. about the evolution of life as it <laughs> potentially as it <laughs> I know. relates to real estate. I know. But I wanted to yeah. also, I just also wanted to talk about um, your home, as an asset. So purely focusing on it as an asset, an appreciable um, asset that's a part of your portfolio and how that has evolved over time, because I do think that it has. So I did a little bit of research on um, the value, historical value of a home that people own relative to their income. Mm -hmm. So I found the Schiller Case Homes Price Index. And I looked, but they have a chart. I'm on longtermtrends.net and and there's a chart Mm -hmm. of the Schiller Case Homes Price Index. And it compares the value of the home as an asset Mm -hmm. to the owner's income. And Mm -hmm. if I go back 50 years, so like back to 19, I guess that's 1970-ish through 2020, the average um it generally so actually let me let me go let me kind of separate this roughly from 1980 to 19 actually to about 2000 mm-hmm. the that was the value of someone's home relative to their income was in like the 3 to 3.5% three range so someone mm-hmm. making $150,000 was in like a house. I guess I'm using that like in today's dollars where real estate obviously Uh back then um, was different. So, so the, the, the multiplication factor is about three to three and a half. If you look at the couple, the few decades between 1970 and 2000. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we had the real estate boom, right? Like in the, um, in the early 2000s before the real Mm -hmm. estate crash of, you know, about a decade Mm -hmm. later. So if I look at 2000, the year 2000 to 2006, the multiplication Mm -hmm. factor went from about three to about five. Mm-hmm. So translation, people were buying more expensive, much more expensive homes relative to their income by almost double, right? So people mm-hmm. were, so so that was back in those days where before we had some banking regulations about a decade ago where it was just so easy to buy real yep. estate, right? There, we didn't have mm-hmm. the strict banking regulations that we have now. Borrowing money was so easy. Henceforth, real estate goes up and up and up. The value of real estate goes up and up and up and people are buying what they really, what we found out obvious. What, Many people knew at the mm-hmm. time, but what we found out after the during the housing that crisis was that they couldn't the time. In, oh, sorry to interrupt, but that you were you're a lot younger. But that was the um, those were the years that McMansions. Remember that mm-hmm. little yep. coined phrase? Yep. McMansions were becoming yep. and came into our life. So people were buying and building bigger and bigger and bigger. And the reason why is the economy was so great, 2000 to 2004. Yep. Whereas rarely we saw our height, economy was great. Businesses were doing great. The contractors were doing wonderful. So people were building these huge, huge, huge houses. Yeah. Um, a lot of them didn't have furniture in them, but that people didn't know <laughs> that from the outside. <laughs> so, but it was almost that that it, that 
that age was bigger was better, where I feel that COVID has changed us in a positive way where let's just keep life simple. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm seeing a big change. However, I went back and forth with my thought process on this, on how much of a house people will want and how much people will not want. Now that a lot of companies are giving up their leases for their brick Mm. and mortar, people are staying home and working from home. Now they might not need just one home office, they need two home offices. So we might start to see another bump up in bigger homes again. Bigger might need to be better, right, right. Because there's no more brick and mortar for some of these big businesses that they're working from home. Yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting mm-hmm. thought. I hadn't thought about that. I, I, as a result of the pandemic, you know, your mind immediately goes to commercial real estate is probably poised to not do well in the mm-hmm. coming however many years as a result of businesses realizing that they can have much of their workforce anyway, work from home or at least do something mm-hmm. on a rotating schedule. Um, so commercial real estate should, I would assume be negatively affected as a result of this. Um, mm-hmm. At least in, in the, at least in the near term, you know, maybe not twenty years from mm-hmm. now, as people maybe forget, yeah. which maybe is a good thing. But um, but you know, uh, that's interesting that it it could have some long term effects on residential real estate as well. You know, maybe the mm-hmm. the homes with the in laws, well, they're getting more uh, popular because of the family unit reverting mm-hmm. back to being a unit, and also because maybe those spaces are ideal for a couple of home offices, right? It, wouldn't yeah. that be cool if mm-hmm. you could, you know, walk walk to the apartment next door and have like a whole office that's separate from your house mm-hmm. where your you know your kids are home from school because who knows if they yeah. will be in the fall. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, the multi generational yeah. living. We're definitely been seeing a lot, a big spike in that. We've been seeing that yeah. as a spike for the past few years, anyways, with both you know mommy and dad having to work and everything. So we've been seeing that as a spike that I feel like we'll see even more of it with the new construction. We have a couple people right now that want to do in laws as well. So we definitely are going to see that um, more and more. I think one of the other things that I think that we're going to see is uh, with people not having to be in the city or close to the city that we're going to see this migration. And we're already seeing it, by the way. So we're seeing the migration of people that were living in that Braintree, Weymouth, Quincy, Milton area, um, even Dorchester and Southie, you know, to get into Boston now if they don't have to worry about commuting because right. that's why people get closer because they don't want to spend an hour right. on route three or route 24 so now they're working from home so we're starting to see a migration of people leaving the city and coming back out this way so with that happening what we're seeing is let's just take a town like pembroke where my office is located in pembroke center here we're starting to see people from like that were normally or wanted to prefer to live like maybe in Norwell or um, Hingham or um, Hanover, that they're now bumping into the towns like Pembroke because the $700,000, $800,000 home in those towns is sort of that median range mm. where there's a fight for them. So they're like, you know what? I want the bigger home. Mm. So now they're coming to towns like Pembroke and Marshfield and Hanover. Um But now we're seeing the people in these towns who can't, now they're getting outbeat. They're actually migrating to like Abington or, well, some are going Abington way, but I'm saying more out that way, like Carver, Middleborough, uh, Plimpton, Mm. Plymouth. Yeah. 
so we're seeing that migration. And yeah, Sorry, I and digress. If, no, and if commuting isn't as much of an issue, that the, then the migration makes sense. Land is cheaper, yeah. how homes are cheaper. Um, mm-hmm. The further you get away from a the from a city. Um, so one mm-hmm. more point, just on the on the value of a home relative to income. So if mm-hmm. I look, so if we go back to like 70s, 80s, 90s, it was like three to three and a half times your income. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2020, we had a huge spike in the late 2000s and then we had a huge dip after that. Fast forward to present, it looks like it's about four and a half times your income. So mm-hmm. the average person or couple is spending their home, the value of their home is about four and a half times their annual income. And interestingly mm-hmm. enough, if I, if I take this chart back to like the 1950s and 60s, it was mm-hmm. about that same level back then for mm. whatever reason there was a dip in the 70s, 80s, mm. 90s and, and, and now we're mm-hmm. back up to where we were about uh, 70 years ago. So, and, mm-hmm. and I do think that makes sense that um, if you think about how, like I, I guess it makes sense to me that the value of that asset over time would be a larger multiple of your income. Even if you're, even if you're work, I'm not talking about working versus retired. I'm just talking about even if you're working and your, your income is going up with cost of living adjustments, right? It, uh, mm-hmm. But your real estate, long-term real estate appreciation has, has outpaced regular mm-hmm. cost of living, right? So it would make sense that there would start to be a, a little bit of a bigger gap and your home would start to be a larger multiple of your income. And we couple that with the fact that we just had about a decade of like not a lot of earnings growth for working Americans, mm-hmm. right? Where people weren't seeing those cost of living adjustments on their income, maybe that they were seeing in decades past. And But but we still had growth in real estate. So I, I just think that's interesting how, you know, if you think about mm-hmm. the home just purely as an asset, relative to your income, relative to your other assets mm-hmm. and, and how that has um, changed over time. And we have to take a break in a couple minutes, but I really do want to get into the discussion of the home as a part of your portfolio. Because if you think about like decades ago, right, the home mm-hmm. really wasn't spent in in many scenarios because people had pensions plus social security mm-hmm. and that was like enough income for them and mm-hmm. and lifetime pension guaranteed pensions for life which are you know phasing out of existence people never had to worry about I shouldn't say never it wasn't as common for people to worry about you know using the home as an asset, as a part of that portfolio, mm-hmm. the, the home was always valuable and had value, but it really wasn't spent as commonly, I think, as it is now and as it might be in the future. And mm-hmm. I and I think that that's, well, largely a result of um, emotions and, and perspe- uh, perception of, of what the home should mm-hmm. and should not be. But I also think that this, this, is, this change is relative to... Um, just how people's retirement portfolio has changed because it's really changed from pension was Mm -hmm. my primary source of income and social security guaranteed for life. Very small component was actual asset, right? And that has just totally changed. Yes, certain professions and people still have great pensions, but those are phasing out. And, 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 uh, you know, if it weren't for like really strong unions, I don't think even like teachers and police would have pensions anymore because they're just, they're just so cost, 
obviously for employers and uh-huh. towns and municipalities, but um, and now it, it's really shifted to your portfolio is, or your, your, your income in retirement is a little bit social security and a lot, what you've built, what you've accumulated for assets and a, and a large component mm-hmm. of that for people is equity in a home, whether mm-hmm. I, I was going to say whether they like it or not, but I, but I want to get into these <laughs> discussions about the home as a spendable asset, because it, this is like a, this is a, this is a hump that people have a hard time mm-hmm. getting over, but like it or not, it, it might be a spendable asset for some people. Anyway, that, that signals a break. And we have another roughly half hour here with Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. We're talking about the evolution of real estate from all different perspectives. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money, and we're just going to take a quick break. Come right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I roped in another McNamara today to join me, Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate. You will forever be my sister in the professional world, Sharon. Every single person that I uh, speak to, client, prospective client, person out in the community, professional, whatever. Oh, Sharon's your sister, right? Or my sister-in-law. Oh, hold on. I can't hear you. Can you hear Sharon? Oh, hold on. Did I mute you? I don't think I muted you. I muted my. Oh, there we go. <laughs> stay on board. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, ha- hasn't yeah. everyone, every working professional now has made that mistake of starting to have a conversation over Zoom and being on mute. I was giving a, a presentation to a couple dozen people uh, over Zoom and, uh, on, on finance and investing in retirement. And I like launched into my introduction and I'm all excited to get going and <laughs> I'm getting texts. Uh, you're on mute. Um, yeah. It's like, oh, haven't we all done That's it? Funny. Yes, we have. Um, Anyway, yes, I was I was saying that you will. Sharon's your sister-in-law, oh, yeah. right? And I, I should just start saying oh, people, yes, yes. She well, is. people ask me all the time. Oh, yeah, you do you do all the finance stuff on the radio yeah. show, and I was like, no, yeah. no, no, no. They do all my finance yes. stuff. So. I get the and I get the real estate question too, and you do real estate, yeah. and you're the real estate person. Uh, anyway. So I, we've got 25 or so minutes I, and, and I feel like there's so much we could chat about, but I really do just do want to continue on this discussion of, of the whole, how the home has evolved. Mm-hmm. And I do believe will continue to evolve into mm-hmm. a more traditional. And what I mean by traditional is spendable asset because like, Mm -hmm. I'll just reiterate real quick right before the break, I was kind of doing it quickly. But if you think about like 50, 60, 70 years ago when, or yeah, even less than that, 30, 40, 50 years ago, how retirees, first of all, they didn't live as long, right? But, but Mm -hmm. they, uh, or they didn't live as long and their retirement years were not as many as, uh, as people anticipate today and, and have today. And, and so their, their sources of income in retirement were a guaranteed pension for life and guaranteed social security for life. And, and they had many people, of course, had an asset in their home, uh, you know, hope maybe paid off and, you know, by the time they were in retirement. So they had this asset and it's just, that was just the asset. It wasn't, you know, unless there was a downsize or whatever, but we've already established that, you know, decades ago, people just lived in their homes forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was not like spent, right. It wasn't Mm -hmm. traditionally spent. 
and maybe mm-hmm. decades and decades ago, you know, I don't have the statistics, but decades ago, it was just, it was passed down to the family. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I think that that's pretty rare now that a home would stay in the family mm-hmm. for a long time, except if we're talking about, you know, a cape house or whatever, that that's, yeah. you know, p- could be passed down to the family, an investment property or something, um, vacation home. But if you think about now, the people that are retiring now, there are few that will have that guaranteed pension for life, or at least one that's big enough to really pay their expenses. So now mm-hmm. people are retiring and, and many of them have their only source of fixed income is social security under current law guaranteed for life. Um, but it's really a pretty small component for most people of what they need. And so- mm-hmm. There the, and there's no pension, so so it's there. What do they live on? Their assets, and so yep. ideally, I guess I, I'm going to take that back. Traditionally, um, the assets that people would be spending in retirement are their retirement, their 401ks, IRAs, the the the, ass, the dollars that they've that they've built that they've mm-hmm. built to retire on, um, and, and I think traditionally the equity in the home is not considered as like a, as a spendable asset. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I could probably go on for this for a long time, but I'll stop and let you make a comment. But I think that a large part of that is just, um, because it's not normal yeah. because it's not traditional, uh, you know, it, it's people think that there's something wrong with spending the equity in your home. Not everyone, certainly, mm-hmm. certainly, but there's just like this emotional component to spending the equity in the home. Um, mm-hmm. And I certainly don't, you know, I, I, whenever I do my retirement planning for people, for my clients, I, we, by default, we would ignore equity in the home. And, yeah. and, but you know what? Sometimes, people are in a scenario where they really need to retire. They're so tired. They, or they were laid off and and they're not going back Mm -hmm. to work. And it is possible to run an analysis and and run a successful retirement scenario, but we have to factor in spending some of the equity in the home. There are multiple ways Mm -hmm. to spend equity in a home. One of them is to simply mm-hmm. move and buy, and buy something less expensive and cut your expenses and take equity off the table. Another one is to take yep. equity out while still living in the home. Um, and and you know I I sort of use I use that equity in the home as as like a backup, right? Like yeah. Ugh. And 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 generally, you know, optimally we plan for them to not have to fall back on that equity. But I've had lots of discussions with people that, you know, from a fin- from a financial perspective. I think it's perfectly okay to spend equity in a home it, as mm-hmm. long as you're, you know, you're keeping it within range of what you can actually spend and what's realistic and, and, you know, it's your asset and you saved the money on it. And if it allows you to retire and if it allows you to have fun in retirement and if it allows you to gift some money to your kids so you can watch them enjoy it. Like I don't, you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. just like this, it's, it's an emotional hurdle. Um, but, you know, I've had lots of discussions with, and, and I think that, I guess where I'm going with this is that I think that these conversations are going to become more normal in the future as people mm-hmm. have a harder and harder time saving the dollars outside of their home in retirement that they really mm-hmm. 
should be saving in order to support a retirement without touching the equity in the home. You know, we were talking mm-hmm. about lifestyle and lifestyle increases as people make more money. And we have all this, we live in this com- consumer society where, you know, we haven't been able mm-hmm. to spend money in recent months, but everyone's shot. I had an Amazon delivery come to my house every other day. I mean, you know, a lot yep. of that was groceries <laughs> and stuff during the pandemic, but, um, you know, but but we're we're in a consumer society, and and mm-hmm. and people drive nice cars, and and you know, in lifestyle, life is good, right? And thank God for that, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, and but um, I I just I I just think that it's you know that the the challenge of saving a healthy amount in your retirement account to pull off retirement when you want to, and not touching equity in your home, I think that that's getting. Um, but that's just going to be hard, harder for people. Yeah. So I'll yeah. stop for the realtor's comments on that. Yeah. So, I mean, so many very, very good points in that whole conversation. And I don't know if you have your guest for next week yet, but if you don't, you should probably consider since you're ending with this thought is having David on. Um, David Tortolot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, With David Tortolot, right. When he talks about the reverse mortgages and I've had him on my show and maybe that's a good segue into your listeners who are listening now that think that that is a very good idea because I do think that there are a lot of people who I, who I am meeting that want to right size. I call it right sizing. It's yeah. not downsizing because it's not a downer. Um, and that is part of the problem, by the way, of um, why we are having a problem with inventory because these, the people, the boomers who have the big four bedroom colonials are staying put and they're not selling. And the reason for that is, is because they can't find some place to go to yeah. that's- and, you know, and their kids are still living with them and they, and they can't yeah. sell. Yeah, they're or they're exactly. not ready to sell because their family isn't ready for them to sell. Yeah, yeah. So and it's like a lateral move yeah. for people yeah. to downsize, quote unquote, but to right size. So that's why we're not seeing a lot of movement with yeah. with inventory that way. Um, I think that you know some of the things that I'm seeing with people is you know in order to take some of that equity out. One of the things that worries me sometimes about people um, taking out equity, like doing a home equity loan or something like that is um, not then staying in control of what you're doing with that money. I mean, back when we had that boom and, you know, the appraisals were just, people were getting money that shouldn't have been getting money. We called that phantom income. So that's why people were upside down for a very, very long time. Yeah. and I would guess with you even saying people going into their retirement a lot older these days, um, that that money goes quickly if you spend it frivolously. Oh, you know? sure. So, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. This is why we're so good together, Sharon. I, I <laughs> yeah, m- my main point in that, uh, <laughs> I won't call it a rant, <laughs> but that <laughs> analysis, <laughs> a very thought out analysis of how the home has transitioned and I think will continue to transition more commonly into a spendable asset, my mind goes immediately to that might, that is okay if you, it's done responsibly. And my mind was in retirement, right? As, yes. as, as sustaining my lifestyle in retirement. I love that you just brought up the point of oh, an, a more, a less responsible way to use equity in a home is mm-hmm. f- certainly frivolously, right? in pre-retirement years for living a lifestyle that you can't afford. Oh my God, I, mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up. Thank you. Yes, because yeah. I, I certainly don't want anyone to think I'm making the point that it's okay to spend your home when you're 35 and you need it to buy the Audi, right? I mean, that, yeah, no, exactly, I'm talking about yeah. like, 
And it, those are beautiful cars, by the way. But uh, but mm-hmm. but I'm talking about like there are. I just think it's okay that because if you think about <clears throat> excuse me, if you think about someone who's 65, for example, and and mm-hmm. they've worked hard, hope you know, and presumably and saved X dollars in their 401k IRA and. And, and their home is paid off and their home is worth $650,000 here in Marshfield. And, 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 they're, and they just want to retire because they want to spend time with their grandkids and, you know, and travel mm-hmm. when we can safely travel again. You know, th- those are the situations where, you know, you, that, that's, a, that's a huge asset. That's $650,000 tax-free. I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't just yeah. completely tax free, right? There are tax ramifications no. if you spend after the basis Capital and all that. But yeah, 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 yeah. But I, but a relatively small amount um, can come out tax free versus taking from an IRA 401k. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so so and to that equity, when you leave that equity in your home, you're what you're doing is you're leaving an inheritance. And honestly, right. I think that your kids want to see you enjoy it. Right. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and her husband, uh, her dad is actually 83, same as my dad, living down in Florida. And she loves when he comes back here, but he really doesn't want to come back and he's enjoying golfing and enjoying his life. And I was like, that's what we should be doing. And, you know, we're seeing people, I think COVID has actually brought people and I'm, I'm interested to, to see your statistics. And I'm hoping maybe you can next time we talk or maybe even before that, statistically like when are people retiring because i feel like maybe in the 50s it was like okay at 55 you retire at 60 whatever it was right 62 65 and then maybe you start getting later and later because people had to continue to work right I'm wondering if that number is going to come down. I, th- it's actually, of- I think it's actually come down. I think like 65 yeah. has been like for like a really long time has been that's when people retired and then they died at like 75. But yeah. now it's people are, you know, retiring younger, 62, mm-hmm. 60, uh, and they're living to 85 or 90. So re- yeah. the average, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't have statistics in front of me, but retirement ages have come down. People are. I think are that that would be an interesting earlier. show. By yeah, the way. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like how to think about what your retirement is going to look like, and that's a really good way to use your equity in your home if you are going to be doing it younger and possibly living longer. But you know what? There's also a very good chance that you don't, because how many stories do we hear no. that you know the young guy that's you know 60 years old went out for a run and he runs every day and came home and you know has a heart attack and dies, yeah. right? So I feel like. It's just about enjoying life and enjoying it responsibly and and really within your means. And um, I think it's really important. And one of the things, too, and I'm getting off track here because I, I asked you Mackenzie's home from Clemson this week. And I asked if you would set some time aside for Casey and Mackenzie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I said yes, right? I did respond. Yeah, you I'm did. Sure I said yeah, yes. you did say yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we'll have to set something up for this week. But yeah. Um, but one of the reasons why is, you know, I'm talking to Mackenzie. So Mackenzie's 24. She's, you know, gone through school. She did her undergrad at St. Mike's. Then she was at Clemson. Then Clemson offered her a job. So she started her full-time job at 23 years old. They're hitting her with, okay, here's your health insurance. And mm. you go on to this portal. And here's, here, do your... Yeah. She said to me the other day, she's like, mom, I'm so upset because... No, like no one in HR is helping me. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, I don't know what any of these things are. And they didn't teach us any of this in college. And I was like, 
That's why Alyssa does it in high school. Yeah. And I think it's so important that yeah. you are doing that. But yeah. she's like, I don't know how to do any of this. I know. Oh Even to God. the point like picking a primary care physician. Yeah. She's like, it's so weird. She goes, what's the difference between a, um, an internal, a family an internist and, and right. Yeah. Family, and, yeah. Yeah. I don't know the answer. I can't help her with that. <laughs> but, well, one of the things yeah. too, and again, I am digressing again yeah. is, but the sad part is, is I've been noticing, you know, a lot of these towns are doing cutbacks now because they have to and furloughs and teachers are getting laid off. So I said the other day, one of the towns is laying off music and art, which stinks, but I can understand why. Right. Especially music blowing the stuff around. But one of them is, getting rid of business oh yeah oh come on yeah that hurts business you're pulling up my heartstrings here i'm so passionate about this what town is this i i well i can't go teach a business class full time but what town is this i need to go in and and do my still do my money fair it It was on the news the other day and i thought no don't give up business like Right now, I feel like we should give up history or something, right? like or geography, like I know. because we can Google it if we need the answer, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and I'll tell you, I don't remember much about geography or history, and I haven't needed it. And you know, I think people are going to be history teachers, maybe, but don't give up business, please. If anybody's listening, that's like a school director of any sort, don't give up the business. Yeah. Number crunching Look, is so I mean, important. Personal finance is so important. I know you're really yeah. pulling at my heartstrings here. I know I'm. I know. Um, I it's know. it's so important to learn these things early. But yes, I will meet with your daughters this week. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh! You. At any time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What were we but even? What were we even talking asset, about? <laughs> the asset, you know, the equity yeah. in your home. I think it's. You know, we've always been, and I've had these conversations with your dad over and over. And I used to love to see him sort of arguing with, um, with Bill. You oh, know yeah. about paying off your mortgage and not paying off your oh, mortgage. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I have, now I have those same conversations arguing on air with Jeremy Devaney, who's been on my show a couple times, and we're like just going at it. Yeah, yeah, but it, all in good, all in good fun, but different, just different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the other thing I'm seeing too, though, is you know people who can't do that you know right sizing move you know leaving the big house because that's where all the equity is um if they're not doing a reverse mortgage um and then you know trying to move into something small there is no really such thing as affordable one level living there just isn't right um but we're also seeing people you know the boomers that are like you know what i'm gonna rent I'm going to take that $600,000 or whatever it is, and I'm going to get an affordable one of two of my clients have done this and they've rented um, sort of like these really nice penthouse apartments in Weymouth overlooking the water. Oh, lovely. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're, yeah, they are spending their equity, but they they can afford to do it. It takes a little bit of a different type of planning because there are some unknowns there regarding regarding how rent will change over time. And there's like a little bit of lack mm-hmm. of control there. But but yeah, I, I philosophically, I don't I don't have a problem with that from a financial mm-hmm. perspective. You're just using, yeah, you're using, mm-hmm. you're using the asset in, in a different way. Yeah, yeah that's And really another good show would be when we talked about multi-generational living is what we're also seeing is a lot of people selling that big house. So let's just use your analysis with, you know, a $650,000 house in Marshfield selling that and putting $400,000 wherever you tell them to put that right from a financial perspective and then taking maybe 200, 250 and putting on an in-law on one of their kids' houses. So there's all kinds of Super common these days, right? Super common, but a lot to consider. So 
a lot to consider. So yeah. if you're, you're going to be doing that, you know, what happens to, you know, there's I, a lot of things. It's a whole nother show. I know, whole nother show. But really quick on that, I've had several uh, retirement age clients tell me about, you know, do this, tell me about this. And I, I, it's, is it common that it's done on top of a garage, right? That's just like a space, but, but I work, but how do they, do they worry about going up the stairs in 20 years, right? In 10 years. Yeah. Anyway, that, that is a whole nother show. We, we could probably spend two hours on Mm -hmm. the pros and cons of, uh, I think we should. I think the next show we do should be about that. That would be mm-hmm. that would be really good, and if we could get um, a, a law, a legal professional to come on, um, mm-hmm. I've had a legal, uh, a real estate attorney help some of my clients with uh, these agreements with the family when assets are being put into their home, and with you know there, mm. because there are things to consider regarding siblings and inheritances and things like that. So yeah, life estates. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Just like, is it a yeah. life estate? So basically, you know, now the person that's in the in law that put the money towards it is yeah. because that's what another thing we're seeing. Too is not only are we seeing, oh, I'll put an in-law on, I have a client that's doing it right now, by the way, selling their house, putting an in-law on their daughter's house. But we also see people, I'm going to sell my house, I'm going to sell my house, and we're going to build a house. Uh So one of my agents actually is in the process of doing that right now. So the Flynn team, Trish and Nick Flynn, they just sold their house in Bridgewater and they're going to be selling, you know, the in-laws house and then building one house. Oh, with an in-law or like a duplex or like... With With an in-law. Oh, Cool. I yep. like that. Yeah, I could envision that one day. I, I I like how the family unit is like staying a family unit longer. Maybe they're separating for it. a little bit and then they're coming back together. You know, I have three daughters. Like mm-hmm. that just warms my heart to think about that we could be a family unit forever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Sure. And you know what? It was so great with the girls being at the house the other day. I wasn't home, but Mackenzie was. And, you know, Mackenzie's been sort of abroad for a while. You know what I mean? Not yeah. abroad in the States. Yeah. But, um, she said it was just so, she goes, it was really, really nice just to see the girls running around with the dogs and playing in the yard and being in the pool. And she's just like, I just, I, I hope that we can, that we just lost Papa. Um, yeah. I, I just hope that we can keep that familyness together. And she wants that to grow. And I said, I will do everything Aww. in my power. Well, then she better <laughs> move back from uh, the Carolinas there. <laughs> wait, where is yeah, In a bit, she will. Yeah, she has, to, she has a plan. She'll tell you all about oh, it. Oh, all right. So. I can't wait to hear. So just, I just had like a, one other, we don't, we only have a few more minutes left, but um, you know, al- along the lines of like the 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 home as an asset and a, and a spendable asset, I, you know, I think that just a lot of people want to leave their home to their kids, and I don't know if that's purely financial. Like, well, you know, the, I know that they're going to inherit some amount of money when they sell the house, and but I also don't know if it's emotional too. Like, I don't know if. I guess mm-hmm. I could envision that. Like, what if I was in my home for the rest of my life and, and this is where I raised my kids and this is potentially where, you know, I, I spent time with my grandkids. Like, I could imagine wanting to leave it and it stay in the family. I just don't know how often that happens anymore. I don't think it happens really, really at yeah. all. And so, yeah. it, and so I guess I'm, you know, it's kind of a hard thing to say. Like, well, your kids don't really want your house because they're already in there. They already have their life. They already have their roots somewhere else. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. And here's the other thing too, that I've seen from a much experience in this department of estate sales is, um, you know, you leave an inheritance and all you see after the fact is siblings fighting each other. (laughs) So that is not what the parents wanted. And I, I'm an advocate for spending, spend it. It, You you earned it. You you should spend it because your kids probably want you to enjoy your life. Right. And with you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, 
they want them to enjoy it with you. I, I sense that Casey and Mackenzie would much rather see me sitting on a beach with them enjoying their kids one day than worried about like, you know what I mean? Leaving them an inheritance. Yeah. I know. So if I, I had to take a little money out of the house. Yeah, no, I, and, and I fully support that. But however, I, I think parent, you know, parents will always be parents and yeah. it depends on the, the financial success that your kids, your adult kids have had and parents will probably just always worry. And, he, mm-hmm. you know, and even if, even if adult children are doing well and okay, and they're in a home and they, they have a spouse who's work, like, even if they're okay, there's this whole weight on every person middle I get mm-hmm. my middle-aged middle-aged parents shoulder that is sending their kids to college one day and I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of grandparents that just that also carry that weight and you know if I can just leave them a couple hundred thousand dollars they can get their kids through college I, I, I just think I, mm-hmm. I say I think about this a lot um, I, I haven't a lot in the last decade just the unfortunate mm-hmm. weight that is mm-hmm higher education and, and and I just just the the exorbitant I'm going to use that word cost of it and oh. and it's just I I feel I feel sad I can remember thinking when you know five years ago seven years ago whatever that I I, I really envisioned myself having four kids and I was just like halted by like the financial weight of that that I, I want to be uh-huh. able to help them if not fully put them through college you know I, you know I, and just like I just think that that's mm-hmm. sad I think that it's sad that we are I am way off topic here but I guess I was yeah. talking about you know <laughs> you know homes passing down and and mm-hmm. and and older retirees not wanting to spend the equity in that home because they want they, they will always want to provide for their families, right? Parents mm-hmm. and maybe Absolutely. especially mothers will always want to provide for their family. And I, and I think that that emotional weight of grandkids in college mm-hmm. is, is, a, is certainly mm-hmm. a factor, whether they can verbalize it or not. Um, yeah. yeah that well, two was, more yeah. good show ideas that I have for you. So yeah, I did you write that down for me? Because I don't have a pen. Yeah. I can find a pen in my purse. <laughs> so yeah. another good show too is, you know, the importance of, you know, having everything in order and, you know, leaving a legacy versus, you know, a burden, right? We've yeah. had that with financially secure women was our tagline, right, yeah. too. Um, so that's really important that people are putting all of those things in place. And I think... Um, the other show, I was going to say another show, but I just lost my train we of thought. We talked but, about uh, uh, the pros and cons of of uh, multifamily home, or the uh, yeah, pros yeah. and cons of multi-generational, an multi-generational living. living. Yeah. Okay, the pros and cons mm-hmm. of multi-generational living. And I feel yeah. like we have oh, another the other thing, thought too. But, yeah. Oops, sorry, let's, before I forget this one thought is, like we were talking about earlier is, you know, what is everybody's goals and how do you live in that lifestyle and being able to do that? You know, that's, that's really important to be able to do because one of my goals was to get both girls through college and that cost me about $500,000. So... I was forced to stay a, in a, that same a burden that has been now lifted for you, but a burden nonetheless, <laughs> a financial. I guess you don't want to call it a burden when it's when it's no. your kids, your kids and their future and their in their employment ability and their financial future mm-hmm. and security. I certainly, I certainly understand yep. the importance of it, and and I shouldn't, mm-hmm. I shouldn't solely use that word burden, but it's a financial significant no. burden. I mean, I've had, I recently just had a, an early thirties client who, who's not even married yet, does not have children, is engaged, but not even married yet. Um, asking mm-hmm. me about starting to save for college just because she's nervous. Yeah. She's, she's already burdened by it. She does not even have children yet. She's not, 
mm-hmm. even married and to my knowledge not pregnant but it's it's that's unfortunate <laughs> and that will be a whole nother show I actually yes, just absolutely. was uh, talking to a financial aid expert and and some financial uh, college uh, consultants and we're gonna we're planning a show for August when when kids are getting back into the minds people are getting back into the mindset of school hopefully we have traditional school in the fall but um, mm-hmm. that is it for today I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed you're listening to McNamara on money thank you to Sharon McNamara of Boston Connect Real Estate for joining me this morning you can check her out at bostonconnect.com um, mm-hmm. we are done for the day I hope everyone enjoys the weekend stay well stay healthy uh, take care see you next time.